Welcome to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia. And on today's episode, we're going to be joined by a very special guest. We're going to be joined by none other than Jeff Garcia, the lead Spurs writer for News 4 San Antonio, Fox 29 San Antonio. And he's also the host of the Locked on Spurs podcast. So how are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great. And thank you for having me on. Uh, it's been a while since I've been on your show, Joe. I know. It's always odd, you know, when we have you on as a guest because I'm so used yeah, to being on your show. So it's an honor to have you on, you know, once again. And well, it's been too long. Much. Yeah. It's been too long. Yeah, it really has. It really, it really has. Uh, I think um, the Spurs are moving on to the second round, right? I, yeah, no, oh my, no. That's, uh, that's a bad no? joke. Okay. That was a bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like somebody else that we know complaining about uh, Coach Popovich. Uh, he who shall not be named. That is uh, gone crazy on Twitter. It, it's been quite comical, man. I'm not going to say the guy's name and feed into more drama. It's just yeah, I'm, I'm horrible. staying out of all horrible. of that. I know yeah. those guys, Joe, just like you, I know all those guys out there. So Yeah, it's horrible, Best man. to lay low. Exactly. So we're also going to be joined by Wesley Perkins. He uh, helps do Spurs React, and he's been a very good contributor uh, for the latter part of the season. He's been in the studio with us as well with me and my Good friend Chris Duell. So, welcome, Wesley. How are you? I'm doing great, Joe and Jeff. It's great to be on with you guys again. And sad that we don't still get to talk about the Spurs in the second round. I mean, all jokes aside, it would have been really nice, and it wasn't that far away. So, uh, but you know, and only uh, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, right? Yeah, that it does. You know, and unfortunately for the Spurs, uh, they just kind of laid an egg. They came out flat, uh, kind of recovered a little bit in the fourth quarter, made a run at it. But it was just too little, too late. And in the waning seconds of the fourth quarter, we had a dumb, dumb move. And, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge just, for whatever reason, had a mental breakdown. Didn't call. Didn't hear Coach Pop yelling for him to foul, you know. And basically, time ran out on the Spurs. And that's all she wrote. Spurs lose by four in Game 7 against the Denver Nuggets. And Denver moves on to Round 2 to face Portland. So, let's. without further ado, Jeff... What happened, dude? Yes. Well, it, what happened was game two. That's what happened. The series was pretty much uh, the Spurs for the taking until they blew those multiple 19-point leads, and that gave all the momentum to the Denver Nuggets. Joe, you and I spoke about this on Lockdown Spurs uh, on quite a few times, but it bears repeating. The Nuggets are on the ropes. Jokic had openly admitted that they were down that they were defeated. They were in panic mode. That gave them life. The Spurs uh, dropped the ball. And then you fast forward to game, what, uh, I believe it was six uh, or five, one of the two games that they won at home. Jokic brought it up again. Said if it wasn't for the game two comeback, maybe Denver doesn't advance. This is all on the Spurs. The Spurs dropped the ball in this series. They They... They thoroughly outworked the uh, Nuggets uh, for more quarters than the Denver Nuggets did over San Antonio. So, Joe, game two happened, and then obviously we know game what happened in the last game, the turnover situation. Uh, I'm sorry, the timeout situation. But nevertheless, um, yeah, I, I point to the finger at game two, Joe. Yeah, I point the finger at game two. I think everybody does. You know, I think that's the one that got away, and basically it was the one that we knew would come back to haunt us, and it sure enough did. You know, <laughs> if the Spurs would have won game two, more than likely they're moving on to face the Portland Trailblazers in round two of the NBA playoffs. It just was not to be. And I got to say, that last play of the of the season, you know, that mental lapse by LaMarcus Aldridge kind of solidified, you know, what type of season the Spurs have had in a nutshell. You know, you, you get so close, yet you're so far away. You know, they've had a lot of ups and downs this season. And I think that's just, you know, was fitting for the way the season came to an end, you know, on a mental breakdown where the Spurs could have, who knows, you know, they had fouled and Denver missed some a free throw or two and the Spurs hit a three. Maybe this game goes into overtime and the Spurs can get some momentum going and maybe, you know, ink out a win over there. But it just, we just never know because they weren't given the opportunity due to that, that play at the very end of the game. So... That was my uh, little take on that there. But let's go ahead and get uh, Wesley's take. Wesley, what happened to the Spurs in Game 7? 
Well, again, they didn't capitalize on on ideas or opportunities that they had in front of them. You saw the great comeback there in the fourth quarter after a horrendous first half. In fact, one of the worst shooting first halves uh, of all time in the playoffs, you know, 22%. And we all saw that first quarter where it just never seemed like they were actually going to score about three minutes left. They're, they're stuck in single digits. But, you know, they had the, the wherewithal and the, the mental fortitude to come back and, and make a good run there in the fourth had it down to two on a couple occasions and really, again, looked like they had the Nuggets rattled. Didn't look like the Nuggets knew how and where their offense was going to come from. And even Jokic, who's been almost unstoppable, was missing shots. And I, I looked at that moment, and, I, and Joe, we were in studio together you know, for React that night, and it, I, we just kind of looked at that and said, hey, it's one stop, one more stop, and this could be the Spurs to add. But then you got a Will Barton dunk. You know, you got a couple of easy baskets, a couple of cuts. And, and all night long, it seemed like when the Nuggets needed something, there was a really good cut being made off the ball and they were getting layups. And so when you look at that and you say it's two things, A, you know, lack of detail, the, um, the inconsistencies we've seen of the Spurs from time to time throughout the playoffs. And then also you have to tip your hat to the Nuggets. I mean, for a young ball club, who, as, as you guys both documented, were, were facing, you know, uncertainty, you know, they showed a lot of heart on their end, for sure. Yeah, that they did. Um, you know, and hats off to them. They were the better team throughout the series. They uh, did what they needed to do uh, to get the wins at key moments, and they're moving on to face the Portland Trailblazers and the Spurs. When, when, Go ahead. I'm sorry. One thing about Game 7 is this. Yes, they did have that big comeback, and kudos to them. But Denver again, almost served it to, to him in a platter. Had that been a uh, team with either like a Tim Duncan or a Tony Parker, uh, a veteran guy, Mono Ginobili, if he played one more season and gave it one more, I think he'd be the first one to be rushing towards uh, the Denver Nuggets player and fouling him at the last minute. What you saw right there is just basically a lack of an identity. A guy who is missing from this team that is going to wise up, that's going to be the smart one to say, you know what, we got a foul and I'm going to rush and I'm going to leave my man here and uh, foul whoever has the ball. So once again, Denver was winning the bet themselves. But even at that, the Spurs still couldn't capitalize on that, as Wesley mentioned. And that's what's frustrating about that game seven was that, yeah, maybe it was already uh, a done deal. The Spurs are going to lose whether they foul or not. But still, just somebody step up. Somebody step up and make the right play. In this case, would be to foul to extend the game. Who knows what could have happened? Who knows? We've been seeing some crazy stuff in this NBA season and comebacks that you would never dream of. Uh, remember the the double overtime game, Spurs Thunder. You know, uh, you know, comebacks galore on that with just seconds left on the clock. So uh, I think that was just frustrating because we know where the Spurs team stands right now. At this moment in time, right here on Two Shots Podcast, this team lacks an identity and a lacks of on-the-court leader. Yeah, not only that, but this is just a mediocre team. This is never going to be a great team. Right now, the Spurs are a good team, and they're not going to be a great team unless they get some more superstars, you know, and, and they're going to have to let go of some superstars or Presidio all-stars that they have on this team on this current roster in order to move forward and I don't really see that happening they don't have the cap space uh, to do that you know and the same team that we see right now is going to be the same team that more than likely the Spurs are going to have you know more or less for the next two maybe three seasons you know they don't really have a lot of money to go after big names well well, here's something you got to keep in mind you're right. More than likely, this is going to be the same crew heading into next year. Uh, yeah, the new additions, quote-unquote, will be Lonnie Walker, maybe Chemezi Metu. But this team is going to get younger. They got two first-round draft picks. That's a new set of uh, players that's going to have to get used to that Spurs system. So you're going to be looking at the, you're looking at the beginning of the transition into a new phase of the Spurs history right now. And brace yourself. What we saw this season may be duplicated next season or and and then in seasons to come because this team's going to need time to grow. There's going to be a lot of young players next season, younger players. Murray's coming back. He has to get reacclimated to the NBA once again. 
Uh, you know, can Derek White give you more than what he gave halfway through the season? You know, what is Lonnie Walker's potential? We don't know. What are they going to do with the two first-round draft picks? Stash him in the Austin, more than likely. Uh, but it's it's really an interesting time to be a Spurs fan because uh, that big three big three era is dead. It's gone. It's over. It ain't coming back. So you have to brace yourself because there are going to be some mediocre times ahead. Yeah, I agree, uh, guys. Let me interject this real quick. I, I just I I think this is the first time in a while that they actually have a little bit of leverage, and it depends on what Pop and RC want to do with it because. They're typically stoic. They seek out the type of player that they know will fit their system, that they know they can develop. And I, I, my first thought of this is that they're going to do that with these draft picks. They're going to find people that fit their way of thinking. And, and you're right, Jeff, that they're going to be younger and, and still need more time to gel. But on the other hand, very unpop-like and very un-RC-like, there is the possibility to package these two picks, at least one of them, or not both, and a player, maybe maybe one of the, the bigger players for the Spurs right now. And and either A, go after, you know, a bigger free agent, which isn't normally the Spurs way, normally not what we would see of them, um, or B, move up in the draft and perhaps take take on the opportunity to, to at least get up into the, you know, the lottery area, not maybe the top five, maybe not into the, even the top ten, but get somebody that would come in and, be one of your future all-stars or one of your future superstars because this draft is pretty deep and so i kind of wonder if they're going to do something more than just wait it out at 19 and 29 uh to this year it's going to be very interesting to see yeah that it is you know so we'll, we'll have to see what the future holds for the for the team but you know one thing that we have to look forward to for next season is the addition of Dejounte murray coming back to the team healthy and ready to play and hungry at that because he's missed a whole season and he's had to go and you know sit on the bench and watch this team struggle a lot at times you know um so he knows that they could really use his help i think he was going to bring the much needed swagger uh to this team and more than likely i'm looking for him to be more of a vocal leader to, to help this team form like jeff said some type of an identity um, but the spurs have th some things that they have to look into in this offseason specifically who do you keep and who do you let go if you bring back rudy gay thing, how though. do you make no how do you make room that's my question here's the thing are we really going to rely on Dejounte murray to be the vocal leader when they have two all-stars already on the roster that have been there done that lamarcus aldridge demar Derozan? rosen they're going to have to rely on what, what is he have a fourth fifth year guy now yeah so, but i don't i mean like lamarcus isn't he, the man he, uh, it's obvious he's not the man yeah. You know, he's not he's not going to be that guy. Yeah, you know, I just see it as as just a sad state of affairs for them as individual veteran players to say, you know what, maybe they're not going to admit it. But obviously we saw it on the court, especially in this playoffs uh, and game seven, no vocal leadership, no on the court presence, um, no one to be that alpha dog on that court. And they're going to rely on this kid. You know, I think they will. Spurs fans are going to be Spurs fans are putting hopes on. Whoa, what's Lonnie Walker's potential? We don't know yet. You know, that's still an unknown. Don't open that Pandora's box, Jeff, because then you're going to have all the Spurs homers coming after you, man. Well, no, I mean, I mean, yeah, they may be homers, but they got to be realistic. And I'm not downgrading the G League at all. But, you know, what he did up there in Austin was awesome. And the little time that we saw this season, you know, was good, but mainly maybe it was in garbage time. Uh, what is his what is his potential? You know, he's not the savior next year. He's not. Murray obviously is gonna bring an impact, but we gotta see how he is coming off a torn right ACL. Is he gonna be the same player? Yeah, you know, a lot of Spurs fans were saying that if they would have played Lonnie Walker in game seven, the Spurs would have won that game. I I highly doubt that would have happened. I don't believe that Lonnie would have went off for 40 points or gone off for 30 points. That That's probably not going to happen. Would he have mm -hmm. maybe contributed a little bit and maybe some crunch time minutes, you know, near the end of a quarter? Possibly. But, I mean, it was Pop's call. Pop went with the roster he believed would, you know, give him the results, which is a win. Unfortunately, it was just not meant to be. And a lot of people fault 
Coach Pop. I know a lot of people do. I've I read all the comments on, on Spurs Twitter, on social media. Everywhere we can think of, they place a lot of blame on Coach Pop. I, I don't really place a lot of blame on him. He, he did the best he could with this team. If anything, I think Coach Pop could, uh, he should be commended for being able to take this this roster to the playoffs and salvage the 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 season because it looked like all hope was lost right Wesley am I wrong in the beginning of the season yeah no I I agree with you in fact and to some degree I know that most people wouldn't want to hear this but I think they overachieved and and it goes back to the same thing we're talking about here which is there is no savior. I mean, Jeff, you can hit the nail on the head. There is absolutely no savior coming back. You have some really good young pieces, but they're not developed yet, and it's going to take some time. I think at, at the very least, maybe they win three or four more games in the regular season, but you're still going to be looking at you know a five seed to an eight seed in a playoff run or whatnot. And, and that's kind of what I'm saying. It just depends on what the Spurs mindset is, what RC and Pop want to do. I commend them for not allowing this team to go and try to tank to be a lottery team. Oh, tank How's for that Zion. That was the hashtag yeah. right earlier in the season. It, yeah. <laughs> How, how's that worked out for the New York Knicks? I mean, I, yeah, they're going to probably get him, but they've been doing this for a while. You know, this is a storied franchise that hasn't recovered since, you know, basically, I mean, come on, the Carmelo stuff was a disaster too. It, they haven't been right since the 90s. And I, and I just look at this and I say, you got to commend Pop and the guys for, for putting a team together that was still relevant, that still had a chance there at this at this junction to, to make a second round. And I, you know, to, to Jeff's point too, I think that with your two all-stars, it is kind of pathetic in a way that both of those guys couldn't get the job done. Because if these are the guys that we look at and say, we're pinning our hopes on them. They're the guys that are supposed to bring, bring that uh, series to a close. They're the ones that have the experience in the playoffs, have been to game sevens before, and yet they look, the least po- the least poised of anybody on the floor that's where it's disappointing and that's where you have to look out in free agency you're not going to get some big name but they've got to find somebody who can be a steadying force a rock solid player who can can provide energy and effort off of that bench or on the starting unit and and maybe help some of those tides where they have scoring droughts and everybody's just you know looking to each other like as to what's supposed to go on i yeah. think that's kind of the key here yeah, when Bryn Forbes is your leading scorer in the fourth quarter of a Game 7, that's not a good sign. And when your two All-Stars uh, only rack up just a little over, what, 15 points for the game, that's not a good sign. And here's something, too. We're talking about the Spurs getting younger next season, and they will, and that's something they do need. But the Western Conference is only going to get better. Denver's only going to get better. Denver, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Utah is still going to be there. What's going to happen with the Warriors? You know, that's the big unknown. Portland's going to still gonna be, be there busted too. Up or not? Yeah. Portland's still going to be there. Houston's still going to be there. The Thunder are still going to be there. Um, the Sacramento, Clippers, we know those Clippers are going to get better and they're likely to get an all star, whether it be Kawhi Leonard or somebody else. They're only going to get better. That's why I caution Spurs fans moving forward in this new era of Spurs basketball. That there's going to be some periods of time where this team is, like Joe says, is just simply mediocre, subpar. Yeah, and I see that uh, probably going to be continuing for the next maybe two seasons. As we stated in the beginning of the podcast, the the team really doesn't have a lot of cap space. It's not like they can just go out and write a check and get a you know a, a certified NBA superstar. That's not going to happen. They mm-hmm. have an aging all-star in LaMarcus Aldridge, and they're going to have to start looking – towards the future and who's going to succeed him you know are they going to develop from within are they going to go after you know somebody in free agency when that time arises I'm sure these are all things that the Spurs are already forecasting and you know dependent on who they draft you know this in this NBA draft coming up these are players that are going to have to be developed and like you stated Jeff maybe two to three you know seasons down the road Maybe they'll be up to those standards where they can start making a name for themselves, much like Derek White did, you know, this season. Mm-hmm. So it takes time, you know, and I, I don't think that this team is really going to be able to be able to make a, a championship run or be in that conversation for at least maybe maybe the next four to five years. So Spurs fans are just going to have to be patient and ride this wave. You know, it's it, that's why I said 
when the team goes to these, uh, you know, the Western Conference Finals and they go on tears and they're having a great season, you know, these are they, it's so hard to get back to the NBA Finals and even get to the the Western Conference Finals. There, these are special moments, and I think Spurs fans kind of took them for granted. And now that we're yeah. not back there again, they're really understanding what it means and and all the hard work and the special players that you have to have on a team working together to get yeah. you back to that promised land. And like you said, Jeff, yeah. it's going to take some time, but the, the future well, looks bright for us. Yeah, the future does look bright, uh, but brace yourself. There may be a period of time where the Spurs are the third best team in Texas. Because Dallas, that Dallas team is only getting better. Now you added mm-hmm. Porzingis to Luka Doncic and that young group that they have up there. Yeah, that that might be that might be a situation that Spurs fans are gonna have to handle um, soon. Uh, but hopefully not. You know, as long as Greg Popovich is on the sideline, that's the biggest wild card and all that. You know, one team that we left off and we haven't talked about is the Lakers. The Lakers were injured last season. You know, and they're gonna be coming back with the hope. You know, maybe a healthier LeBron, and who knows what can happen. You know, so. Yeah. Are they going to be fragile, though? That's the question here. Is that you know the Lakers didn't capitalize on what they had with those young those young players that they were developing, because when they mishandled the whole, you know, want to trade, want to try to get Anthony Davis, you know, what kind of confidence now is Kuzma? Is you know any of those guys, Brandon Ingram, you know, Josh, or any of those guys going to have now to you know be able to play with LeBron James and to know that he's about the right things and. You know, I mean, I know we all maybe knee-jerk a lot. I, I think LeBron James is still one of the best two or three players in the NBA, but is he really still the LeBron James capable of, of creating an NBA champion? Uh, and, and, you know, are and more importantly, are they going to be able to, to get somebody else out there? I don't know that they are. I don't know. Yeah, I think he's just a role player at this juncture. Um, he's a good veteran leader on a team. And, you know, I think he can motivate the Lakers and make them better. Yeah, no doubt. But that's another team, you know, that's out west that the Spurs are going to have to keep an eye on. And, you know, like Jeff said, it, it's just kind of at this point developing, getting ready for the future. Hopefully, you know, it's a learning experience. You know, this season, it wasn't a total loss. You know, they made it to the postseason despite everything that was thrown at them. They overcame adversity. And some of these younger players out there got a taste of what it's like to be in the postseason and hopefully they can learn and get better from this type of experience. Just like we saw, you know, the Spurs big three do when they were younger. You know, they had to have some tough losses in the playoffs, you know, specifically from the Lakers, you know, and into the Dallas Mavericks, um, you know, and, and they learned from those experiences moving forward, got better and won five, you know, NBA titles. So I'm, I'm confident that losing teaches you something and whatever that is. We'll have to see what it transpires into for next season. So before we, we kind of like, you know, put a close on this episode, let's go ahead and to hand out some grades, Jeff. We'll start with you. What do you give the Spurs for the season? What kind of grade from A to F? I'm going to give them a, a solid C. Um, I, I'm, I commend them for what they did this season. When you had uh, Kawhi Leonard hold him up at gunpoint to get out of San Antonio, and then you have the massive losses that we saw in the uh, in the offseason from Danny Green to Mono Ginobili retiring to Tony Parker leaving, uh, and you know, Kyle Anderson leaving, then DeJounte Murray gets busted up out for the season, then Derek White, and then Lonnie Walker gets hurt. And Rudy Gay, he only played 69 games this season in the regular season, so you know he was out for some time as well. Um, and then for them to not only make it to the postseason, survive that horrendous rodeo road trip where they went one and seven, losing to the Knicks, losing to the Nets, who are without one of their star players. Uh, I, I, I commend them. I, I think Popovich and crew did a good job. Now, they were not without their faults. We all know what happened in game seven versus Denver and how it ended. That was not a, that wasn't a nice way for the season to end. Uh, we all saw about the roadie road trip. That was not Spurs basketball. We saw the road woes. We saw the defense take a hit this, uh, this summer. I'm sorry, this season. But they still made the postseason. They still had an all-star in LaMarcus Aldridge. They still uh, proved that they know how to develop players see Derek White. All in all, 
I think they Popovich and crew did the best with what they could do with the team they had. And I'm not sliding the players. I'm not. But the, this, this is a team without a superstar in the NBA, and they still make the postseason in the West, no less. I'll, overall, give them a solid C. I don't give them an A, obvious reasons, because you know their season ended already. I don't give them a B because they have a lot of room to improve. I think they deserve a good C. Yeah, I gave them a C as well. I gave them a C- minus on the live stream we did yesterday uh, for the exact same reasons. You know, they overcame a lot of adversity, but at the end, they just were, you know, they just underperformed. They didn't perform up to the standards yeah. that they yeah, could have, yeah. you know? And then you, then you have that, that a lot of boneheaded losses. Uh, I remember that Chicago lost uh, in San Antonio. Oh, yeah. That should have never happened. Uh, how many times were they trampled by 30-plus points or more in a row? That happened this season. People forget that. They were getting smashed up left and right early in the season. Uh they, how many times do we see them blow big leads this season? So that's why, I, you know, the grade I could have given them could have been a lot better. I just They just really did it to themselves this season. Yeah, so... And to mention, DeMar DeRozan, uh, after he openly admits that he's having struggles adapting to his new NBA team and, uh, you know, dealing with his emotional issues about being traded... To, uh, mer- uh, to mesh him into this season, to this new team, I, I think they think all in all, I think the Spurs did an okay job, did a good job, hence the grade of C. All right, well, I can, you know, I think that's a a valid point there, you know, and I like I said, I give him mm-hmm. a C minus, so I think me and you were thinking of the exact same thing, uh, Jeff. So Wesley, what would you give the Spurs? What what grade from A to F for this season? I would give them a lower B, you know, B minus, and. You know, for much of the same reasons that we're talking about, but one of the things that I want to add is we can't discount the fact that this is the first season without any of the big three. Um, you know, in the, to come out and not know, and we saw this, I mean, you just alluded to it, Jeff. We saw them in the Toronto game where all DeMar DeRozan had to do was hold on to the ball, and they're going to beat Toronto on that rodeo road trip. Who knows how different that would have made that trip and what they would have done in Brooklyn or in New York um, subsequently. And, and instead... They fumbled ball away. We saw that a whole bunch where, and you said that earlier, where if you just had a monitor for like five minutes, you know, I think as Spurs fans, sometimes we didn't really see the rational. We saw some of these, you know, older big three guys. We said, ah, take them out of the game. They're not, they don't have it anymore. And now you never know what you have until it's gone. You don't appreciate it enough. And I think we all do at this point appreciate what those three guys really brought to this franchise for so many years and the stability that they had and their effect on their team. But, you know, the other thing, too, guys, is that this team was kind of a microcosm of eight new players, obviously, of trying to work guys in that really weren't new, that are brand new to the Spurs culture. And Pop talks about that all the time. And also, I think that one of the big things that happened in this Nuggets series that we saw you know, later on, a bench that seemed to do pretty well over the, over the, the course of the season, and it was one of the better benches in the, in the Western Conference and in the NBA, they just laid an egg. And, and you would expect that from a really young player. But when you have two guys with championship moxie in Bellinelli and, and Patty Mills, it was disheartening because I'm sure Pop, that's part of the reason why those two guys are still here. Belly being brought back and Mills being on this team now for a good, good little bit, being the longest tenured spur. When you have those guys, you expect that you're going to be able to get that you're going to be able to stem the tide when those little moments occur, when the ship gets rocky. And to be fair and to be honest, that was really more the disappointment of this entire playoff season and really um, some of the season as well. You know, guys, you alluded to the Chicago loss. Well, you know, there's other times just on the road. They had a late lead, eight-point lead against Philadelphia on the road, and they couldn't close it. And we should have seen some of this coming into the series. But I think we're all eternal optimists. We've all seen the Spurs do so well in the playoffs. And, you know, when they just don't have that guy, a la Ginobili, to come in, it really, really showed that this team is, you know, a good quality team, but not necessarily a team that's going to be a contender for a little while. But I still have to give them a B minus, because, again, and one one last thing about this, Derek White really was not expecting to be the starting point guard. And if you remember early on the season, he got hurt, too. And so you really had kind of a huge question mark. What the heck is going to happen? We don't really have a point guard on this team. What is going to happen? And his development in a quick hurry 
and some of the flashes of what he can do are, are very exciting as we go forward into the, into the next few years. So I, I think that overall they overachieved. I, I do give them a B minus. I think that they, they did a lot of good quality things, but in the end, they just weren't enough to, to be able to beat a, a second seeded Denver Nugget team that has just a little bit more talent than they do. Yeah, I think you're just being a little too generous, Wesley. I think you might have a little bit of Spurs Homer in you, man. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little hmm. bit. Just a little bit. Well, just look, a splash. Look, and I think Joe is, is can understand what I'm about to say right now. And um, But I'm a lot older than you two guys, okay? I may be very young online, but I'm actually physically in age. I'm old. There was a time when the Spurs were mediocre, where they would get beat up by Utah in the first round. They would have great regular seasons, horrific postseasons. And that was during the Sean Elliott, David Robinson tandem years. And I think that's what the Spurs are, are going to be shifting to right now. They're going to be great regular season teams or good regular season teams and then come up short in the postseason. Um, and all that changed when they got a guy named Tim Duncan. Uh, I think that's what you're going to have to see right now. You're going to have to see this, this first team go through uh, seasons where they're going to be good. They're going to make the postseason. You know, they, They'll get their 45, 50 wins, and then they get bounced first or second round, and that's it. And you'll see that uh, for season after season. Um, this is what it seems like for me when I look at this first team where they stand right now and in the history of this of this franchise, that's what it looks like it's turning into. Unless somehow they can swing for the fences and get a major free agent to come in this offseason, but I, I doubt that. Anthony um, Davis. <laughs> but I know, yeah, that, 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 that's a pipe dream. But at the end of the day, um, I just don't want the Spurs to become the Atlanta Hawks of the West mm-hmm. uh, when the Atlanta Hawks were just mired in mediocrity for years. Never escaping that 41 and 41 record and they need that you know they would always have that atlanta until uh, they had you got in a trey young and look what happened now their the future looks bright i think that has to happen for san antonio uh then you have to just they're rebuilding on the fly look and every team goes through this every team the spurs gone through it the lakers have gone to, through it the warriors have gone through it every team goes through it it's the Spurs' turn now for them to be going through that that period of time in their franchise. Yeah, it's going to be you know a kind of a changing of the tide. In other words, you know, they're each team goes through yeah. rebuilding phases and you know retooling, and I think that's where the Spurs are at right now. They're not in full rebuild mode, but they're they're retooling their roster. They're having to replace a lot of the talent that was gone in the big three, you know. And now that we have a Lamarcus and a Demar. And a bunch of plethora of new, you know, additions, new faces. It's going to take some time for everything to to work right. So we're going to have to be patient. But let me go ahead and ask you all a question before we go ahead and end this. If the Spurs bring back Rudy Gay, how do they do that? I mean, how would they bring him back, Jeff? That's the that's the big uh, question mark that I have because of cap space. Are they going to have to maybe let somebody go, or you know, are they going to have to trade someone away? How how can they bring Rudy Gay back? Well, um, hmm, that is the million-dollar question. One, will they have to talk to him about some sort of fancy-schmancy, you know, uh, you know, hometown discount contract where maybe it's uh, back-ended or he gets paid off more, uh, a la the Pau Gasol deal? Y'all remember that? Um, mm-hmm. You know, could that could be an option that the Spurs go to. Um, they could just simply just not resign them. Uh, you know, that's another thing they can definitely do. Uh, maybe they put their faith in, uh, you know, Lonnie Walker. Maybe they, they dip into the free agent uh, pool or whoever's left over because they ain't going to get any, any big name small forwards. Um, yeah, it's they're in, they're in the pickle right now. And uh, at that position, in that position, the small forward spot is where, in my opinion, I think they're, that's one of their weakest positions. Um they beefed up the point guard spot. We all know who's coming back. They got plenty of shooting guards, DeMar DeRozan, Patty Mills, et cetera, et cetera. They got a, a good big man tandem, LaMarcus Aldridge and Yaka Pirtle. Uh, we'll see what happens with uh, Davis Bertans, but they don't really have a small forward. And I think that's an area of weakness that the Spurs have to address this offseason. Pondexter and Cunningham are going to cut it. So you can just write them off. 
What's what's the possibility? What do you think, Wesley? Um, we're gonna ask you the question. I believe well, that did that Danny Green. He's with the Toronto Raptors, but if I remember correctly, he's in the last uh, year of his contract. What if he becomes available? Do you think this should the Spurs maybe give him an offer or maybe package somebody in a trade for uh, for for Danny Green? You know, maybe offload someone's contract and go after him. What do you think about that? You know, anything's possible. Um, the free agent pool, I mean, there's some there's some good talent there. You got a Chris Middleton, you got some others that are there, but you know, how much money is it gonna cost to 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 pay those guys is probably out of what the Spurs have. And we know that's what we're talking about here. You know, to me, guys, this this kind of still screams draft. Um, I, I agree with you, Jeff. Maybe the answer is really you don't bring back Rudy. Um, and and if you want to try to get a Danny or somebody like that who's, you know, I know going to be a little bit more partial to being a spur. My question really, Joe, though, is, you know, Danny was certainly his skill set was starting to dwindle in terms of an offensive skill. You know, he always was playing good D. There's no doubt. And that's what his main staple was. But, you know, you look at things and you say, well, what, what do the Spurs need? Or if they're going to go young, and that that's kind of my point with the draft, they've got these two picks. And right now they're just out of reach of some of the players that they could get like a hunter from Virginia who I know they'd have to move up into the lottery to get or even a Rui Hachimura who's really kind of a quasi power forward small forward um, type player but a very very athletic you know four or a real big three if you wanted to play with that uh, they've got some possibilities in that draft to do but again you're talking about having to develop and you're talking about needing people uh, to come in because quite frankly in addition to, I know Jeff just said this, to Pondexter and to Cunningham, um, Patty Mills and Bellinelli and Bertons aren't going to cut it either at this point. And unfortunately, they're all under contract. So what what's going to happen is, you know, there's one of two things. Either they're going to have to trade some of those pieces away and, and try to clear up some space and maybe bring in another uh, free agent, or they're going to try to do the same thing and, and bring in Lonnie and see if they got him developed enough by the time the season starts and perhaps re-sign Rudy uh, maybe to a more of a mid-level um, type of a deal. And, you know, it's really going to be interesting to see how they handle this. My thing is, Jeff and Wesley, this this is a question that's going to be directed at both you guys. A lot of people are not happy with Patty Mills. Unfortunately, Patty Mills is signed in for the next two seasons. There's no way we're going to get rid of him. So for better or for worse, he is who he is, and we're going to have to like him. You know, so we're kind of stuck with Patty, but I fear that we might lose Brent Forbes in free agency, you know, because he's really made a name for himself. So that might be a piece that might be leaving. And it would be a shame if we lose him, if we lost him, and we also lost Rudy Gay in the same season, which both of these players were, you know, really performing at, I think, you know, good high levels uh, for the Spurs for stretches throughout the season, you know, so if they were to lose these two players, I think we're going to be in some bad shape. Like Jeff was saying, you know, we might be, you know, uh, mediocre, you know, for the next couple seasons. And if we lose Rudy Gay, then we lose a Brent Forbes. And I mean, we're, we're going to be in bad shape. We don't have a small forward. Yeah. Rudy Gay leaves. So what do we got left? Nothing. You know, where, where do we go? Yeah, in I, other I, words? I, I, I'd brace myself uh, right now to see the, see Rudy Gay just uh, part ways with the uh, Spurs. Um, I, I think he's proven that he's thoroughly back from that Achilles injury, that he can put up numbers, as mentioned, uh, 69 games uh, this season. I believe it was uh, close to 11 points per game. He shot um, a little tick over 40% from the field, about 45% from the three-point line. Uh, he, he's still a good player. He, he's, he's still a really good, viable veteran that I think any team in this league, especially a contender, would love to add to their bench. Uh, so he might be looking for a payday. As for Brent Forbes, I can see him pulling some sort of hometown discount or coming back at some very uh, team-friendly contract. Uh, I, would be, I would be surprised if he does walk. Yeah, you know, I, I, don't want, I don't want Rudy Gay to leave, you know, but unfortunately, like you said, um, I think he's already given the Spurs enough discounts where he's going to want to get yeah, paid because he he's already proven mm -hmm. himself, you know, and he's come back from that Achilles injury. And as you stated, he's made a name for himself. Everybody's looking at him and seeing what he's doing. And I'm sure that there's teams out there, especially coming into the offseason, 
that are going to be no doubt reaching out to him and making him some type of offer that could be quite lucrative and if that that occurs there's no way that the Spurs are going to be able to match a long-term high dollar deal the best they yeah. could offer him is maybe what a year or two again mm-hmm. yeah hey Joe let me let me point this out too this is something we haven't really chatted about with Rudy but Rudy also was one of the people that helped DeMar feel at home on the Spurs roster because the two of them had some familiarity and played together. Um, I, you know, I kind of worry if Rudy walks, if, you know, and once DeMar's contract is up, it, you know, that spells doom for the Spurs to lose him as well. Uh, That's the the one thing about keeping him too, is that, you know, I kind of feel like Rudy's a little bit more glue than just, you know, a guy who, you know, is going to come off the bench, you know, he might miss some games because he's, you know, getting a little bit older and he's had some injury problems, but, that's that's part of the thing too is he's he's maybe a little bit better glue guy than a Patty Mills who is supposedly quote quote the emotional leader of the team but you know to me Rudy really is that guy and his his spirit is also I think something that would be really missed beyond his court play and what he's able to provide. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, all right, so we're gonna go ahead and take our first break right now, and we'll be right back. All right, well, we're back, and we're going to go ahead and go down the line here, and this is going to be our last segment for the Two Shots podcast. So we're going to go ahead and talk about the OG, which is none other than Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich talked to the media earlier today, and he was in good spirits, uh, and it kind of kind of maybe, you know, was making, uh, you know, some jokes with the media, and it looked like he was uh, actually going to be coming back, Jeff, I'd have to say, for another season, maybe two. Mm-hmm. I mean, what did you take from this uh, comments earlier today? Uh, pretty much what you just said right now, that uh, he's likely to come back like 99.9%. Uh, sure, that he'll be back unless the uh, Paisano pizzas or whatever he said uh, give him a better <laughs> offer. But um, he'll be back, and I think that is huge. Um, I think the big question, Joe, and you alluded to it right now is, okay, we know he's coming back, but for how long? I think that is the next question to be answered. Because this is it. This will likely be his last contract as an NBA head coach. He has his Team USA duties for 2020. He has Team USA duties this summer. You know, his focus would be starting to shift in that direction. And he's he's 70. What I think he, is he over 70 or is he at 70? I, I always forget. I think he's at 69 uh, or 70 years old already. At, yeah, I think he's at 70 years old. Uh, so, yeah, I think the next deal will be his final deal in the NBA. He did admit that this past season was one of the better seasons he's had uh, being on the team because of the development of the young players. Well, he's about to get a healthy dose of that next season when he has to get Lonnie Walker integrated into the Spurs system, uh, bringing back Murray from his uh, missing the entire season and reintegrate him into the NBA system. And then, of course, we don't know what's going to happen with the two draft picks. But if they do keep them, then there's two more younger players they'll have to deal with. Of course, there's Metu, there's Eubanks, there's uh, White and his continued production. And remember, he gave a promise to LaMarcus Aldridge that he was sticking out with him uh, when he signed with San Antonio. So uh, there's so many factors in there. But yeah, obviously a great thing uh, for the Spurs. I think he, if you forget this, I don't know, you two guys don't. But he is the last, the last vestige of the big three era. You know, that's it. He is it. That that mm-hmm. that he is the corporate knowledge. He is the originator of that corporate knowledge. And he's the he originator leaves, too of the culture, the Spurs culture. The the culture mm-hmm. and the, the 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 beliefs, the system, the way the team interacts, uh, you know, the the bonding they do. I always I always argue that losing him will be the much bigger impact than anything that Duncan did and Monte Ginobili and Tony Parker uh, did. Um, losing him will really put the franchise uh, in a spot uh, because who replaces him? I mean, who, I, who is going to be man enough to fill those shoes? At least try to. Nobody I don't think it might be to. a man. I think it might be a woman. <laughs> okay, fine. A woman or a man or well, whatever person that is. That is some hefty, hefty shoes to fill. And uh, I mean, the expectations uh, coming into this franchise, the lure of the franchise, the, the banners hanging up in the AT&T Center, uh, the expectations of the city, uh, of the NBA peers, that, that, that's a big duty to fill. 
But good for the Spurs. I think what you're going to see now is him pretty much continue to establish the foundation. So when he does say, okay, I'm done, um, I'm going to fax in to you my resignation letter and Spurs uh, Twitter, you just put it up there and I'm done. No press conference, nothing. So when that day comes, I, I think he'll feel that the, that the organization is set, uh, the players and their foundation are set. And he's like, okay, I, I left it as best I can in the best way I can with the best roster I can give you. Now I'm going to sail off into the sunset. I think what you're going to start seeing that right now as Pop transitions into likely his final contract in the A. Yeah, I got to say, you know, I don't see him coming back for more than maybe just two seasons. Um, he does have the, you know, the commitment to Team USA basketball. He's getting up there in age and at some juncture, he's going to have to do what's best for him. You know, and I think he's if he decides to hang it up, nobody's going to be mad at him whatsoever yeah if anything you know they're gonna give him the same treatment as they gave timmy and manu and tony i mean yes he didn't play for the spurs but without coach pop we wouldn't have those five nba championships so i'm sure they're gonna probably maybe put his likeness on a banner and raise it up to the rafters at some point they're gonna have to do something you know to honor the great coach popovich so with that Mm -hmm. said wesley you uh believe that coach pop as we stated comes back for another what one or two more seasons? I'd say probably two. I, I think that's probably a fair bet. And, and I, you know, man, Jeff, you, you put it in so, so such a great way. Um, you know, if I could just share a little bit of, you know, what I think of Pop and, 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 and what my, my mindset and what I feel about him is just that, you know, Spurs fans, when he first came around, you know, he took over and he kind of replaced Hill when at a time when, when everybody believed that Hill was the answer for the Spurs and, and for their franchise. And, and people weren't too happy about this Popovich guy coming in and taking the reins and kind of forcefully doing so. And, and it looked a little bleak at first. And I remember, you know, back in that 99 season when uh, it started off six and eight. And yeah, you could hear a pin drop. And I'm sure people were probably like, man, get this Popovich guy out of here. And yet here we are in 2019, five titles later. Uh, no doubt about it. He is the biggest face on the Mount Rushmore for the Spurs. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with not only his basketball IQ, but his coaching tree, the legacy he's left in the NBA. Even a guy like Malone, who was coaching against him just just recently here in this Nugget series, that Pop vouched for. That he saw something in him when he was coaching in Argentina, and he saw that this guy could could really be a, a spectacular coach in the NBA. Um, and also vouched for him to be the the head coach at the, with the Nuggets and. Uh, I mean, you know, that's just the kind of guy that Greg Popovich is. You, you know, we know him as the snarky guy that doesn't like to talk to the media um, and make some funny comments. But reality is everybody out there knows that he is the, the person who is responsible for so many great coaches. Steve Kerr, you know, Mike Budenholzer, uh, Mike Brown did real great with, with the Cleveland Cavaliers for a good good number of years. And you know, even Malone, as I said, you know, who's out there in, in, in Denver doing a great, uh, great job. And uh, I, I think there's never going to be another one like him. To me, he, he is the greatest coach of his era. Um, and uh, he and Phil Jackson, I think, really are, are those two guys. But, you know, when it comes down to the Spurs and, and what he still has to do with them, I really feel kind of like what you guys are saying, that he wants to leave this this team in a place where he knows it's in great hands and whoever that person is, whether it's Messina, whether it's Becky, whether it's Budenholzer, whoever might come back to, to be the head coach of the Spurs, that he knows that he's done the best he could to take the franchise from the big three era to the new era. Uh, and I know for, you know, for a fact that he would have loved to have had Kawhi Leonard be that staple person to do that with, but you know, things don't always work out the way you want them to. And uh, to me, this two year, time period that you know that he'll he'll probably take will be his chance to develop these young cats to maybe get a chance to to make them uh, into something special and and for the next person to take over and uh, maybe create the next generation of uh, Spurs championships yeah so with that said you know we're going to go ahead and bring this episode to an end but before we do that I'm going to let you guys plug yourselves and where the people can get a hold of you across social media. We'll start with you, Jeff. Where can they see all the great content you're always dishing out? 
Oh, thank you very much, Joe. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff G Spurs Zone. Don't forget to go to the Spurs Zone News for San Antonio, Fox 29 San Antonio. As uh, Joe mentioned earlier, I am the lead Spurs writer for those two local San Antonio media outlets. Yeah, so make sure you go and follow and like Don't Jeff. forget to subscribe to Lockdown Spurs, where, where Joe... Uh, is is quite the guest there, Joe. You're like almost there. You're like oh, you're like have an open invitation. An open invitation to join the Locked On Spurs podcast as a recurring guest. You know, and it's been an honor to to cover the Spurs with Jeff. You know, throughout the season, um, and I look forward to doing that again next season. So I it can't October can't get here soon enough because I'm sure that we'll all be excited because we know that it's going to be Spurs Media Day coming around the corner. You know. We're going to have the introduction to, you know, training camp starting. And, you know, it's going to be once again, everybody getting geared up for the the 80 plus, uh, you know, games that the Spurs are going to play. It was a long season, but yes, it it's sad when it ends, but we always look forward to it next season. I don't know why we do that to ourselves, guys. I mean, we, we must be we must love a, you know, punishment. We're glutton for punishment, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> So, Wesley, where can they get a hold of you across social media and, and follow you? Yeah, you can get, a, get get me on my Twitter at Wesley Perk. Um, and also, you can look me on Facebook at uh, Wesley Perkins. I, you know, I like to post a whole bunch of things about different sports. And uh, it's been a lot of spurs up until now. And, and uh, obviously, as we get now into the NFL time and after the draft and mini camps, and we got all sorts of MLB going on. So, lots of different things to talk about. And, of course... As my my pal Joe would tell you, Game of Thrones is oh, in yeah. full swing. So you know we're going to be having all sorts of stuff about Game of Thrones as well. Yeah, it was. Uh, if you haven't watched this last episode, and I'm not going to spoil it for you, but all we're going to say is Arya Stark. She's a boss, man. Yeah. <laughs> East. So make sure you go and catch that if you haven't seen it already. So for Wesley Perkins and Jeff Garcia, I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. And like we always say, spread the love, stop the hate, and be kind. We're out. There.